Hey, thanks for joining us on the Summit Church Podcast. We want to connect you to a relationship with God and all He has in store for you. We hope this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live your best days now. Enjoy the message. Well, let's be real moms, right? Moms, sometimes life can feel like it's crazy, right? You're trying to get your work done. Take a look at this picture. You can't get it done, right? Because the kids are all over you. Did this look like you guys during the pandemic? This was me, okay? The, the blocks are everywhere. The kids are on the phone. You're trying to juggle a thousand things, and it's not working, right? Or maybe you feel like you have to have a megaphone because you're just screaming at your kids, right? Trying to get them to listen to you. <laughs> and they're like, do you hear me? And then the kids will say, mom, stop yelling at me. And you're like, but I've asked you four times, <laughs> right? Or maybe you're just so tired because life is hard, right? And it's a lot to juggle kids, right? That when you pour your cup of coffee in the morning, you can't even make the cup because <laughs> you're so tired. Well, let's be real, even if you're a mom or not a mom, we have times where we feel like that, right? Where we feel tired from work, where we can't get things done, where we are feel like maybe we're screaming and we're not being heard, or we're just exhausted from the pace of life. But life can be stressful at times, but God has given us his word to help us through life's challenges and to build our life on. So today I want to look at creating a life of faith and balance by looking at four characteristics from the Proverbs 31 woman that I hope will encourage you. I say creating because it's our choice. We have a choice whether we're gonna implement what God has spoken in our lives or not, right? And let me say these principles apply to everyone, not just to moms, they apply to men, to singles, to students, to kids, for everyone. And some of you ladies, when you heard Proverbs 31, you put your, head, your hands over your ears, you're like, no, no, not her. She's too perfect. No, she was not perfect. In fact, she's a prototype to give us principles, right? This was the counsel of a Jewish mom to her son. Nowhere did it say she did everything right. She cooked three meals a day. Her house was perfectly clean. She never had running makeup and her hair was perfect, right? <laughs> Nowhere did it say that. In fact, I think she's more of a woman for today because she juggled a lot. She had a relationship with God, but then she had her relationship with her husband, her kids, and work. And that's where we are today. We're all juggling a lot of stuff. Most of us work, and then we have the kids, and then we have our families, and we have our jobs, and we're trying to keep Christ in our life. So as I share today, it's not about perfection, right? It's about getting better. You know, she was a woman of noble character. She was a woman of excellence. And I love how Joyce Meyer defined excellence. She said, excellence is not perfection. Excellence is taking what you have and doing the best you can with it. So as I share these characteristics, we aren't looking for perfection. We're looking at where can we grow? Where can we change? We just want to do the best. Maybe I can make a little bit of an adjustment so that my life can be more in balance, more filled with what God wants me to do so I can fulfill his call on my life. So let's look at these four characteristics. The first is she manages her time well. Proverbs 31, 16, and this is taken from the Amplified. She considers a new field before she buys or accepts it. 
expanding prudently and not courting neglect of her present duties by assuming other duties. With her savings of time and strength, she plants fruitful vines in her vineyards. So notice she considers a new obligation, a new commitment, a new opportunity before she accepts it. And she has strength left over. We often get exhausted by our unsustainable pace of life. We live in a fast-paced world where everything is at our fingertips and everything is urgent. But notice this woman, she keeps healthy boundaries. She says no to the urgent and she doesn't say yes to everything that's coming her way. She's not saying yes to being a room mom, to being on the kids' soccer team, coordinating all the snacks, and she's not saying yes to helping in the charity um, with kids at disadvantages. No, that's, that's all good, right? But not everything that comes your way is a God opportunity to be snatched up and taken, taken right? Listen, volunteering is great if God has called you to do it, but not everything your, comes your way is an opportunity that you have to say yes to. And it's important to know that some of you may be saying yes to everything because that's where you're getting your worth and that's where you're getting acceptance. You like to be on all those committees. You like to be head of this and that organization because it makes you feel good, they build you up, and that's where you're getting your self-worth. And let me say today that your self-worth does not come from committees and stuff. It comes from Jesus Christ. Our identity comes in Him. It says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Your most important job is to put Jesus first in your life, to fulfill the call of God on your life, to put your family first, and then all the other stuff comes after that. I get it. It's hard to say no. It's hard for me to say no. But it's necessary for balance and peace in your life. And there are different seasons for things, right? I mean, what I did before I had kids it looked completely different than what I'm doing now. Before I had kids, I was able to help and mentor college kids. I mean, sorry, it's actually youth, actually, a youth group of young girls and mentor them. And then with my job, I was on some committees. I helped on transplants for children, and I helped another institution that helped women's cancers, and that was great. But after I had kids and I got married, my priorities changed, right? They have to come first. Now I'm driving to soccer and diving and <laughs> all those other things, right? So God is calling us to manage our time wisely. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So if your strength is zapped, you're doing too much. You have to take some things off your schedule. There is no such thing as God-ordained burnout, okay? We are called to redeem the time and fulfill God's will for our life. We have to know our responsibilities. We have to know what God is calling us to do. Because if we don't, we're asking for a head-on collision with fatigue and discouragement. So today I want to ask you, make a list of your typical day in your life. Is there anything you can delete? Are you doing too much? Are you doing what you're doing just to make someone else happy or for self-approval? What's not lining up with your purpose or what God has called you to do? 
and make the adjustments. And some of you are like, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, ask God. He'll show you. It says in Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways, acknowledge, recognize him, and he will make your ways know. So ask him. He will show you. And this is something I have to look at all the time, sometimes daily, but at least every six months to a year and reevaluate it. And it's important that when you get a new opportunity presented to you or something comes your way, that before you say yes, you stop, you pause, and you pray about it and say, is this what God wants me to do? What is the cost? If it's going to cost your family, if it's going to cost your time with God, if it's going to cost all your energy and it doesn't line up with your purpose, then it's a no not meant for you to do. So you should have plenty for you and plenty for others. Next, she is strong. Proverbs 31, 17. She girds herself with strength, spiritual, mental, and physical fitness for her God-given task and makes her arms strong and firm. Notice, she girds herself with strength. She doesn't wait for someone else to do it for her. She's not a victim. She's not entitled. She takes responsibility and initiative to encircle herself with the things that make her strong to accomplish her God-given purpose and destiny. And she does this in three areas, spiritual, mental, and physical. So spiritual, that means you spend quality time with God, right? You're in his word. You're in his presence. You get to know God, who he is, and what he does. You get his promises in your heart so that when you face a bad situation, you have the word of God in you and you can stand and declare it. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I get that we're busy, but we all can do five or ten minutes. I can be honest and tell you that I spend at least three hours a day in the car. My other job should be chauffeur, <laughs> temporarily. But I try to redeem that time. So I can pray in the car. I can listen to a podcast in the car while I'm waiting for one of them to finish practice, diving, or soccer. I kind of keep my Bible in the car. I keep a book in the car. I can read a chapter. There's apps that read the Bible for you. My point is, think creatively. It doesn't have to be this moment in the house everything's quiet, everything's perfect, to spend time with him, right? Make it work for you and your lifestyle. My day, my time with God does not look like that. <laughs> the car is my second home, okay? And Jesus and I have a good time in the car <laughs> because that's what works. That's what season I am. I think we think it has to be this, you know, holy moment. It doesn't, okay? Just have a friendship and talk to him. Next, she is strong mentally. So after she attends to her spirit, she uses her energy to be healthy in her mind, her thoughts, and her emotions. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our life moves in the strongest direction of our thoughts. When you think to, what you think determines what you believe and how you behave. If you don't like the direction of your life and the way it's going, you got to change the way that you think. We are to renew our mind in God's word. So what's occupying your headspace? We are told in Philippians 4, 8 to think on those things that are true, noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. 
We need to start visualizing our ha ourselves happy and seeing ourselves successful, seeing ourselves fulfilling the vision that God has for us, seeing that God is faithful to complete his promise to us. Remember, the enemy's weapons are lies, and he doesn't give up easily. So when a thought comes to your mind that's not according to God's word, we have to capture it instantly and say, no, that is not my thought, and replace it with the word of God. So for an example, if you start feeling worried or anxiety, you would take a scripture, God has not given me a spirit of fear, a power, love, and a sound mind. I will not worry. God, if you care about the lilies of the field, you care about the birds, how much more do you care for me, right? So, and start being aware of what you're thinking. I think some of us aren't even aware. Be aware. You know, if there's a thought that kind of keeps coming and it's not good, go find a scripture for it. And then just start replacing it with the word. Start renewing your mind and watch what God does for you. It'll be reprogramming. And then the third part of her strength is physical. That means proper nutrition. Some of you are going, oh dear. Exercise and enough sleep. Glory, right? <laughs> Dr. James DeNicolatana is a cardiovascular research scientist and doctor of pharmacy at St. Luke's uh, Mid-American Health Institute in Kansas City. And he's a well-respected expert on health and nutrition. And he says this, the average person is low energy, Overweight, constantly tired, physically weak, doesn't work out, snacks all the time, eats lots of junk food, and doesn't spend much time outside. If you want to transform your life and body, do what most people don't. <laughs> there you have it. Some of you are so tired and feel bad because you're neglecting your physical body. You're not taking care of it. And we have to prioritize those things to live a healthy life. And I think sometimes, too, as moms, we tend to put ourselves last, right? But God says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that we are to care for it. And if you have kids that are watching your example, if you put crap in and junk food and eat sugar all the time, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do that. If you sit on the couch and watch TV or on our YouTube all day, they're going to do that, right? So we have to model for our kids the right things to do. And some of you are like, well, I don't know what to eat. Well, <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> I won't help you. Dr. Hyman will help you. Dr. Mark Hyman, who is the American physician and New York Times best-selling author, says, food is the most powerful medicine to heal chronic disease. I love that thought, right? Food is medicine. It says, this is because the foods you eat are the keystrokes that send messages to your genes with every bite, telling them what to do. They either create, listen to him, health, or disease. What you put at the end of your fork is more powerful medicine than anything you will find at the bottom of a pill bottle. Focusing on eating real whole foods that are rich in polyphenols, I hope I said that right, healthy fats and high quality protein rather than processed foods found in packages that lack nutrients. So basically whole foods, right? The ins and outs of the grocery store, not the stuff filled with garbage. You know, the stuff that has all the preservatives and stuff causes inflammations, and that's what he's talking about. That causes disease. So, and it's not about being perfect. It's not that you can't have a cheat day and go out every now and then and have a burger. It's just that most of your life and most of the things you are consuming are healthy and they give you energy and they fuel you and they make you feel good. It's funny because I try to eat well and whole and then my son wanted to go to that Kalahari, you know, that indoor water park area. And I'm not used to putting a lot of bad stuff in my body, but when you go to one of these kids theme park things, 
they're meant for the children and not for the parents. And I thought, oh, I'll order fajitas because I can get some grilled chicken and I'll get a corn tortilla, right? This will be better choices. Well, the tortillas come and I literally you can hold it and the, the whole thing is dripping with oil and I'm like, oh. And of course you have to eat something and we were there for, I don't know, I, it wasn't long enough for me. I think it was 48 hours that was more enough. And I felt horrible. I mean, I felt like bloated, I felt nauseous because my body wasn't used to that. And I thought, yes, now I can see the importance of eating well, right? <laughs> as far as exercise, even if you can go for a quick walk during the day, it will help. I think we think we've got to go and go to the gym. If you want to go to the gym, go to the gym. I mean, for me, it works to have like an appointment or to go to a class and put it in my schedule. But what are some things you and your family like to do? I mean, it's getting ready to be, it is 102 today. Maybe you want to go swimming or take a walk or you guys like to do basketball or volleyball. Find something that you all love doing or riding bikes in the neighborhood and do that. The important thing is that we move our bodies and that we keep active. And I love what Dr. James Nicolatana says. He says, think of your health and fitness like a savings account. Every time you eat nutritious food or do some form of training, you're investing in yourself. Make small deposits daily and big returns will happen over time. You are your greatest asset. I love that. So think about that. You're making deposits into yourself. And the last part of that was sleep. And most people recommend seven to eight hours. And I'm trying to, they say, you know, you should create a sleep routine. I'm like, well, what is that? But basically it's like 30 minutes before you go to bed that it's just kind of quiet. You turn your phone off. That's really, really hard for me. That's something I'm still working on because I like to kind of lay in bed. I'll be real. And scroll or look or read. But it's kind of like you take a bath. You kind of give your, your body permission to unwind. So God wants us to be strong both in our spirit and our mind and physically, okay? Third, she does not fear. Proverbs 31, 21 says, she fears not the snow for her family, for all her household are doubly clothed in scarlet. It is not God's plan for you to live in fear or something bad happening to you or your family, or fear when you get a bad report. I know someone, and when the pandemic hit, I've never seen someone so consumed in fear. She would not let her kids go to school, they literally locked themselves in the house. They wouldn't see anyone. By the way, this went on for two and a half years. They wouldn't get their family medical treatment. Like one of the kids had an injury and they decided they were going to stitch it up on their own. And they were so worried when something happened. And they had lost a child in the past. And I think that's kind of where that came from, that they couldn't, you know, move on from them. But I mean, their friends, like if they finally, when it kind of started getting to the end of the two and a half years, I mean, they would have to eat outside on the driveway, guys. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Like, I mean, I just felt so bad. That is not God's plan for you. God does not want you to live in that kind of consuming fear where you can't move and you can't do it. You can't fulfill God's plan for you. You can't fulfill his purpose. Or I've seen people where they've had a, a bad diagnosis and God has healed them and they've, let's use cancer, and they've overcome cancer. But then the doctor says, well, you know, it might come back in five years. And so instead of living in victory and thank God they're healed and that they're living in fear of, oh my gosh, what if it comes back? Or every symptom, oh, well, that might be this. No, that is not God's plan for you. God does not want you to live like that. He wants you to live victorious and well and whole and renewed in your mind. 
You know, fear paralyzes you and keeps you from God's promise. But in the word, there are over 300 fear knots. I think God was trying to tell us something. And Luke 8, I love this story. Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and he pleaded with him to come to his house because his daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying. On his way, on Jesus' way to Jairus' house, the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment. And we're going to pick it up in Luke 8, 49 through 50. It says, while he was still speaking, that's referring to Jesus, someone from the ruler's house came and said, said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Notice the bad report came. Like Jairus, you may have given a bad report. You've got cancer. You've lost your job. Got, you know, gas prices are going up. Something happened with your child. But watch what Jesus said. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. See, fear agrees with the bad report, but faith agrees with the word of God. Faith only says what God says. So will you believe God, or will you believe what you feel, what you see, and what you hear? Faith is risky. You know, it would be tempted for Jairus. He had just heard his daughter and was, was dead, and then as he's walking to their house, there's people in front of his house mourning. And Jesus said, stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. And he went on and healed the little girl. So when you get the bad report or you feel fear, because we're all going to feel fear, right? That's normal. I remember when the pandemic first happened, I had never seen the grocery stores empty, okay? And I remember going in and like, remember this when it first happened? There's like no meat anywhere. There's no this. And for a second, I could just feel that fear. Well, how am I going to feed my family? I'm just being real, okay? But I chose at that moment, take that thought captive. No, I will not fear. God is my provider. I will have more than enough. He supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. You know, he's got me. So when we start feeling that fear, we have a choice. Are we going to choose faith or fear? And God wants us to choose faith. Notice it says too, that in Proverbs 31, 21, that she doesn't fear because her family is doubly clothed with scarlet. The scarlet is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. Dad did a whole message on the blood recently, and if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go to your podcast and listen to it. But throughout scripture, we see it. When God was sending plagues to the Egyptians, he told the children of Israel to put the blood on the door to protect the firstborn so the firstborn would live. Then in Joshua 2, we see that Rahab helped the Jewish spies from being caught by the king of Jericho. She hid them, and she swore she would not tell where, their whereabouts. And in exchange, she asked for a true sign that her and her family would be saved. And that sign was that she would put a cord, a red cord in her window. And everyone who was in the house under the red cord would be protected. That red cord was symbolic of the blood of Jesus. And that sure sign of the blood of Christ still holds true today. He purchased our freedom and we are protected through his blood. It says in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in according with the riches of God's grace. So every day I cover my family in the blood of Jesus. I say thank you, Lord, for Adam, Mia, Ethan. I cover them in the blood. I cover our home in the blood. I cover our cars in the blood because goodness knows we need it on 281. I cover my place of work in the blood. See, when you get a hold of God's promises, you get a hold of how much God loves you. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has created you in your likeness and image. He knows the hairs on your head. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. When you get a hold of how much he loves you and what he's done for you, you have nothing to fear. It says in 1 John 4, 8 that there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear. So don't let fear rob you of your promise. You take authority over it and you walk in faith and you declare God's word. Lastly, she watches her words. Proverbs 31, 26. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom and on her tongue is a law of kindness, giving counsel and instruction. So I want to challenge you today. What's coming out of your mouth? Do they align with what God says? What are you speaking over your life, over your kids, over your husband, over your future? Is it building other up? Is it kind? Or is it toxic, negative words coming out? Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, our words are powerful, and they direct the course of our life. So we want to make sure what comes out is good. And there'll be times you make mistakes. How many of you ever said anything you regret? Okay, we should all be raising our hands. We all have. We just repent and apologize. I've said stuff to my kids that I should not have said, and I just asked them. Because I think it's good, too, that we model that. You know, hey, I shouldn't have said that. Those words were not right, and they were not life-giving. Will you please forgive me? I think that says a lot. And you set a great example when you do that, right? And if I hear my kids say something negative, I start reprogramming. Nope, that's not true. And I replace it with the truth of what God says, right? And it also says the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You know, I see more and more people today, we see bullying, we see social media, people tearing each other apart, tearing each other down, people that don't agree with one another, you know, instead of just being kind and just choosing to, you know, we don't have to agree on everything, they rip people up and are so unkind, and they're giving opinions and posts. And let me just say, we will never win people over for Jesus by being critical of them, by tearing people down, we win them over by the love of Christ and kindness. There's a beautiful girl at the gym. Um, she just kind of appeared uh, a couple months ago, and I don't believe it's an accident that she's in my life. There's no way she's an accident because I just felt she just started opening herself up, and she works for a gentleman's club, I'll be honest. And um, But I just love her, and I could tell from her story that it was really hard. You know, she's got, a, she's got a son who's my age, and then she has a, um, uh, I mean, my age, I should say, a son who's my son's age, not my age. That's hope, right? And um, then she has had, had a miscarriage, and it's kind of funny. She'll just pour her heart out to me, and I just listen to her, and I love her. I mean, we only get like 10 or 15 minutes because we go to a class, we'll warm up on the bike, and I encourage her. I tell her that she's doing such a great job with her son. I ask her about things. It was interesting. And someone at the gym, another person at the gym said, um, what are you, like, best friends with her? And I said, well, I just loving on her and getting to know her. She's new. And she had some questions. And she says, well, you know what she does. And I said, yeah, I do. I, I know what she does. She, she works in the gentleman's club. And he goes, well, does she know what you do? And I said, no, but she hasn't asked. And I said, and he's, and, and I said, you know, but it doesn't matter. I said, because we all need somebody to love us, to cheer us on, and to be kind. And you know what? There may be a time one day where she's going to need me, and it's not an accident there. And God put her on my heart to pray for her. And I do, and I do pray for her because God has a plan for her. 
and it's good, and it's loving. I can't imagine the hurt and pain she's had to go through. And I'm believing God for her. But it didn't happen by me saying, oh, I can't believe you're doing what you're doing, and you shouldn't be living that life. No, just loving on her, just encouraging her, just being with her. I love this little video. Um, my husband actually found it um, the other day, and it's of a kid encouraging another kid on the field. I just want to take a look at it. Okay. It's okay. Everyone's older than me. Everyone's bigger. You don't, you don't have to tackle. Bob, listen to this. No, Bob, listen to this. Trust me. Look at me. Look at me, Bob. I'm the shortest kid here. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're short, you're young. It doesn't matter if you're tall or hit. It doesn't matter if you're fat. It doesn't matter if you're tall. Bob, you are a brilliant rugby player. You understand that? You're insane. You're actually insane for your game. You're insane. Come on, give me a hug. Best team ever. It's all right, right? Best team ever. Really good. Come on. Come on. Don't you love that? He's like, I'm no good, I'm no good. And he grabs him and he says, yes, you are. I want to be that kind of friend for someone. I want to be that cheerleader. I want that person in my life. And what's beautiful is that he didn't just do that. You know what? I bet that was modeled for him. Where was that modeled for him? In the home. The most important place in the world. We need to start declaring what God says. I am a child of God. I am blessed and prosperous. I am redeemed. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm creative. I'm confident. I'm equipped for all God's plan for me. I am anointed. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'm created for a purpose and I'm created in his image. Those are the things we want to declare and proclaim over our lives and over our families' lives and those around us. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitessay.com.